Violence erupts across the nation as a white police officer brutally kills a black man. Unjustified, horrific, and has raised the temperature of racism across our nation and causing everyone to renew the discussion of what is right, what is wrong, and how to, what to do about it. This is Pastor Greg. I'm here with Life 66, and today I want to talk to you about racism and Jesus. What did Jesus have to say about racism? Everybody has an opinion on what's right, what's wrong, how to deal with racial issues, what's the cause of racial issues, um, what's helpful, what's not helpful. And we can, we can go round and around on these things. And, and it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or non-Christian, uh, there's different opinions on what should be done and, and uh, what is appropriate, what the root causes are, and so on. Uh, this is Life 66, though, and our commitment is to go to the Bible. What does the Bible say? And so I'd like to do that with us today, tracing uh, what does Jesus have to say about racism? And you'll find that he has actually quite a bit to say, um, but actually more so quite a bit to model in his ministry on earth. Um, actually, Jesus didn't say a whole ton, uh, but he modeled a load about what to do and how to treat each other. Let's go back in the scriptures. First of all, in Genesis, we find that God didn't create the races. He didn't create in the garden uh, man and then created all the different colors and all the different races. No, he just created man, man and woman, male and female. And he set them loose in the garden, told them to be fruitful and multiply. And of course, the fall of man uh, when they fell into sin, uh, by rejecting God's law and disobeying him, had him cast out of the garden. Well, immediately, well, close to immediately, at least in the scripture, it comes right away in Genesis chapter 4, we have the first murder. And that murder is brother against brother. It wasn't a race against another race. And we find that, that this, this animosity toward each other is from the very beginning. This anger, this jealousy, this tendency to, to want to vilify each other and to reject each other. It occurred right away when Cain killed his brother Abel. Well, as the nations begin to develop and people groups begin to grow, we had the, the great um, judgment of God with the flood of Noah, wiping humanity off the earth except for Noah and his wife and his uh, children and their spouses, eight adults in all. And then they begin to repopulate. And in just a couple of chapters, uh, history jumps ahead to this portion in Genesis chapter 10 and chapter 11, uh, the Tower of Babel portion where man began to arrogantly think that, that they were God. And so God confused their language. And in order to, to keep them from uh, you know, arrogantly thinking they could unify and, and, and be themselves God. And that's when the races began, that as the languages were confused. People began to settle, of course, in their own language groups and began to disperse around the world. Now, when the, you know, the colors arrive, you can see very easily how the colors of skin occur when people of likes uh, uh, mate together. So do characteristics of uh, facial um, uh, characteristics, hair, so on. And, uh, you know, when you see many multi, um, uh, mixed ethnic marriages, the offspring can be lighter or darker. And as these things happen over, uh, you know, centuries and centuries... Um, you have just the different races developing. So God didn't create the races, 
man created those things. God created us to be unified. Man, in his sin, forced God's hand. He confused the languages that people separated. And ever since then, people have been fighting. They've been fighting, 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 all the time fighting. Uh, You're different than I am. You speak different than I do. Your traditions are different than mine. Your color's different than mine. That is not God's intention. God's intention was that we be one. And so this, the, the history continues with the nation of Israel is, uh, comes into being um, after uh, Jacob and his 12 sons uh, begin to multiply, according to God's promise to Abraham. Fast forward past Moses and the nation of Israel taking the promised land, past David, past Solomon, and the people of Israel begin to rebel. The nation splits into two, the northern kingdom and the, and the southern kingdom, the north being Israel, the south being Judah. And in the northern kingdom, they rebel against God. And the Assyrian nation, in, uh, right at around 730 BC, give or take a few years, come and they, um, they take over the northern kingdom. And they take over the northern kingdom, they disperse the people of Israel there, and, but a few remain. And of those few that remain, the Assyrians also begin to settle and there is now some intermarrying between the Jewish uh, Israelites and the Assyrians. And that intermarrying creates this new group called the Samaritans. And this is where it really comes into the New Testament part of the scripture. The Samaritans are hated by the Jews. Already the Jews and the Gentiles do not mix according to the Jewish Old Testament law. But now you've got this other group of people that are in the middle. They're not liked by the Gentiles. They're not liked by the Jews. They're in the middle, and they're hated pretty much by everybody. The region where they lived was right in between the Galilee in the north and Judea in the south, so pretty much right in the center uh, of Israel. And so they were hated so much that they, the Jews would not speak to them, would not associate with them. Uh, when they even would travel from north to south or vice versa, they would go miles out of their way to avoid going through Samaria, where the Samaritans lived. So this is what we, where we pick up the story in the New Testament and where we get some of Jesus' teaching about racism. In John chapter 4, the very f- uh, one of the very first instances is when Jesus is uh, traveling with his disciples and they need to go through Samaria. And on the way, Jesus stops at a well where he meets a woman. Now, we add to the, to the mix here that, that the Jewish men did not associate with women uh, that were not your wife, um, and especially a Samaritan woman. But Jesus does it on purpose. He stops and he begins to minister to this lady who's not only a uh, female, but she's also a Samaritan. And you see immediately in Jesus's actions as he's here on earth, that he's throwing out all of the racist ideas, all of these, these cultural separations that keep people from binding together. There's a situation in Luke chapter 9 where uh, Jesus and his companions are going, uh, won't need to go through Samaria, but Jesus sends messengers uh, on ahead and the Samaritans don't allow them to come through. And the, the messengers come back and report that to Jesus' disciples. And James and John and all of their holiness and righteousness say to Jesus, well, do you want us to call down fire on them? And Jesus rebukes them. 
uh, we don't have the words that Jesus used in his rebuke, but the rebuke is, uh, a rebuke is a harsh thing. He basically told him, are you kidding me? Shut your mouth. You're going to do no such thing. And so you see that there's the reverse racism, but also the, 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 the attitude of even the disciples that says, these people are worthless. Do you want us to destroy them? Because they're different, because they are adversarial to us. Uh, they're not our kind. And Jesus rebukes that. In Luke chapter 10, the, the amazing story of the Good Samaritan is taught. And a, and a religious leader, an expert in the law, a Jewish person, comes to Jesus and, and begins to question him and asks what the greatest commandments are. And Jesus says, love your Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And the man seeks to find a, a loophole. It says, well, who's my neighbor? And as a result of that question, Jesus tells the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan. And the story goes on that a man is uh, traveling and he is beaten. He's had his clothes taken, his money taken, and he's left for dead. And a priest goes by, a Jewish priest, doesn't do a thing. A Levite, one of the priestly tribe, uh, the holy people, he goes by, does nothing. But a Samaritan goes by, a hated, vile Samaritan goes by, and he takes care of the man, puts his uh, puts the man on his donkey, takes him to a place to be cared for, pays for his uh, his care, and uh, tells the 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 keeper of the inn where he's being cared for to charge the expenses to himself. And Jesus asked the expert, "Now who was a neighbor?" And the expert says, "Well, the one who had mercy." And Jesus says, "Of course, go do likewise." But if we leave it just as a kindness, we're missing the deeper point of this whole story that Jesus was dealing with racism in this story. He could have chosen anybody to be the kind person or anyone to show mercy, but he didn't. He chose a Samaritan to show that we're all alike here. There shouldn't be any uh, separation. Yes, we're different, but differences are beautiful. They're not to make us contrary. And the Lord gave us this beautiful example to shame the Jews and to shame this expert in the law saying, you think you're so holy, you think you're so righteous, righteous, you're special. But the Samaritan is the one who did good. And Jesus actually backs him into a corner to have to admit that the Samaritan was the one who did the right thing. Later in Luke chapter 17, there's a fantastic story of Jesus uh, healing uh, 10 lepers, people, 10 people with leprosy. And when he healed them, nine of them apparently were uh, Jewish men suffering with this disease. One of them was a Samaritan. And when Jesus heals them, they all 10 go away, but one of them, the Samaritan, realizes that he needs to be thankful to the one who healed him. And he comes back and he gives thanks to Jesus. And in the Greek language there, there's a difference between the words of, of whole and well that Uh, Jesus says, there was 10 of you that were made well. In other words, they were freed from their leprosy, but only one of you has been made whole. And that's the word for salvation, that Jesus is showing that this Samaritan could be saved, that he would be a brother to those Jews who are also being saved. So there are examples like this all over the New Testament, where Jesus, uh, particularly using the Samaritans as his example, because they were the ones who were the 
inferior race in the minds of the Jewish people. And Jesus is saying, there's no such thing as an inferior race. You are all people. You are all my creation. You are all my sons and daughters. And I'm going to show you by my example, and I'm going to show you by my teaching that everyone is loved and everyone should be welcomed into my kingdom. Jesus reaffirms this when he goes and leaves the disciples after his crucifixion and resurrection, that when he's giving final instructions to the disciples as to where they should go when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, that, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea, in Samaria, uh, or Judea, Jeru- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He particularly, and on purpose, includes Samaria there as a statement that, guys, you are my followers. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit, and there is no place for racism. There is no place for time for you to go around Samaria to avoid those people, but you are to specifically go to that group of people because they're my children, and I love them. In Acts chapter 8, when Philip, the apostle, after the dispersion and the persecution of the church in the book of Acts, Philip is sent, and he goes to the villages of Samaria and begins to minister to them. And as they begin to accept Christ, uh, Peter and James are called in, and uh, or rather, um, uh, Peter is called in. And as he does, uh, he begins to minister to those people, to the, the Samaritans as well. Um, Peter and John, I was, I was going to make sure I had the right names. Peter and John, not, not Peter and James or Peter and Paul. Peter and John go in, and they are um, ministering to the Samaritans, just as Jesus had commanded. So you see, we've got to take Jesus' words and Jesus' lifestyle to heart. I don't know what programs should be run. I don't know what government should do. I don't know uh, how uh, organizations should operate. But what I do know is how God's people should operate. I do know how God's church should operate. And God's people and God's church should follow their Lord and their Savior, Jesus Christ, and listen to the words he spoke and watch the example that he set, that we are people who are to have no place for any kind of racist behavior, because those people are us. There's no difference. There's just a different shade. There's no no difference in thinking. There's no difference in uh, abilities are no difference in intellect. We're the same people. We just happen to be different in our color. And this is something that God intends to, to never be. In Galatians chapter 3, it reads this way, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ Jesus, then you are all Abraham's seed. There's no longer any separations. There's no reason to belittle someone or think someone is lesser or greater than. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And I really hope that we can take Jesus' words and Jesus' example to heart. That when he stretched out his hands and he died on the cross, he died one, one for all and once for all. He didn't die many times for different people groups because different ones are more valuable than others. Jesus set our value equally on the cross. The value of something is what another is willing to pay for it. 
Jesus was willing to pay one price for all. All races, all nationalities, all people groups, all languages, he died for them all. And one day, as Revelation chapter 7 reveals, there will be a great multitude crowded around the throne of God in heaven, and they will be of every language and every tongue. Every racial group will be represented because there is one family then, and it's a beautiful family. It's a wonderful family, and it's the way God intended it to be. So as we face these, these racial things and these racial uprisings, there is a need to, to call out justice when justice needs to be called out. There is a need to defend those who are being persecuted and wrongly uh, treated. But as we go forward, it's one thing to shout and it's one thing to protest. It's quite another thing to actually change our behavior. And I pray that we would be able to behave in the way that Jesus did and call each and every person our brother and our sister. I hope this has helped you today. Let's follow Jesus' example and let's live in the way that he would live, loving each other always. This is Life 66, Pastor Greg. Take care until next time.